You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now here's your host, Dirk Novell. Everybody, this is Dirk Novell. Welcome to my podcast. On with me today is Lisa Dupar. Lisa, welcome. Hi, thank you, Dirk. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So um, Lisa, I've known Lisa, I want to say maybe 10 years. uh, And Lisa has a catering business and as well as an amazing restaurant that we'll get into. But she's been catering for my mom and stepdad do these really cool Christmas parties. So I've gotten to know Lisa um, over the years just from what she's done. And it's really amazing because she creates this experience, you know, and the holidays are all about experiences. And she's a huge part of my memory at Christmas because it's usually an early Thank party you. my mom does. And it kind of kicks you into the mood of just, uh, you know, being festive. But anyway, um, Lisa, why don't you, in your own words, kind of just explain? I know that you're not like a one trick pony. You do one thing, you have a couple things going on. Explain in your own words what it is you do. Um, well, I'm a caterer that has a restaurant, so um, we've been catering. Okay, Dirk, oh my God, 40 years next year, I will have been in business. So um, we go way back with your parents' holiday party. Um, So I've been catering for 40 years. I've had Pomegranate Bistro in my restaurant since 2005. So um, yeah, crazy. We originally added the restaurant just so that we could have legally sell alcohol on catered events. But then of course, two chefs owning the restaurant. My husband at the time was a chef and we're like, okay, so it kind of blew up and became more than just a liquor license for catering. So it's a going concern. So it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a nice, it's not a little restaurant. I'm, I'm no. really curious yeah. because yeah. I would think if someone was to ask me what came first, I would think that you had this restaurant and then decided, hey, people love my restaurant. Let's do a catering business. So I guess I'm a little curious, why did, why the other route? I'm sure there was a reason behind well, it. Well, actually, going way back, I started in 1984 in Redmond. And I had a restaurant called Southern Accents because I'm from the South. So it was all Southern things on the menu. And it was in a little house in Redmond on um, Redmond Way. Yep. And um, I wrote the menus every night and just uh, realized after a while, like I wasn't paying myself a paycheck <laughs> and it was, uh, it was kind of like, okay, this is fun. And I'm doing the creative artist thing and we got great press and everything and awesome Southern food. Um, but I was like, I got to do something else because this isn't sustainable. So added catering in 19, like 84, late 84, early 85. And good timing on being in the neighborhood of Microsoft, got to say, because um, I kind of kissed the ground Microsoft walks on. So um, they were huge supporters. I literally remember when there was three buildings on Microsoft campus and I could take a plate of food and set it on Bill Gates' desk, like no security, no. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a good neighborhood to be in. So. Yeah, Redmond, I grew up there. I mean, I grew up in Bridal Trails, but like baseball, we used to go far, fars. That was my favorite ice cream place in Redmond. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I love that place. And then, you know, I mean, 
I've been to your restaurant many times as well. And I really love that place. Um, so it, what, what was it about? I mean, just people are kind of tuning in right now and they're kind of curious. Maybe they're into catering or food or being a chef or whatever. Um, when did this kind of, because this podcast is all about looking in the mirror and it's the obvious stuff about what lights you up. You know, were you um, a young woman that would spend a lot of time in the kitchen cooking? Like what was, what, how did this whole thing come about? Well, uh, it goes way back, but I was raised an only child by a single mom and um, she hated to cook and I hated to clean. So we made a deal. And so she would pull us, she would pull a stool up so I could reach the stove. That's how much she did not want to cook. And I had a blast. I thought it was like, cool. This is the one place I'm not going to get in trouble. I can make a mess and do whatever I want. And so it kind of started there. And then my, um, because I was an only child, my mom would drop me off on the beach with my six cousins in Charleston, South Carolina, every summer for three months. And we just ran wild and their mom was a single businesswoman also. And so the six of them and us, we cooked like we shrimped. We would cast net for shrimp. We would, we would fish, we would um, crab. And I mean, we were foragers, if you, if you will. And I had a cousin who was obsessed with gardening. So the kids actually cooked. So we were the ones that would just come home with stuff. And the moms would be like, cool, you know, or just giant watermelons or beautiful island cantaloupes from South Carolina. Um, so just food has always been a playground. And it's always been something that our parents just were thrilled that we did. And we always got, never got in trouble if we were cooking. We'd get in trouble everywhere else. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm just yeah. thinking about my wife right now. and how happy she'd be if our kids were like you and decided to cook meals. Uh, I think that's really cool. So was there ever kind of a, um, a, a different route that you thought you'd go or was it like, were you all in on food related? Well, I think what was drilled. And again, I'm, I was raised in like high school in the seventies. Yep. Um, so I was raised with, uh, I think my mom being afraid of like, you better go to college and you better get a college degree. I don't care if it's in basket weaving, but I was sitting here going, but I really love to cook. I want to do something with food. And so I thought, well, I'll go to Georgia Southern and major in home ec, you know, cause that was like the closest thing I could think of. I mean, the CIA in Hyde Park, New York was already open, but I was kind of thinking locally. So I signed up for college. I get my, I get my class plan and I'm like, oh, hell no, this is nothing to do with cooking because it was all your basics. And, I'm, and I came home and I'm like, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go to the Western Hotel, Peachtree Plaza. It was called Western International back then, but the Western Peachtree Plaza Hotel in Atlanta opened the year I graduated from high school. So I just went down there and asked if I could do anything just to be in the kitchen. And uh, much to my mom's horror, because <laughs> that did not look like a college degree at all. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I was like, I want to cook. I want to be around food. I want to do this. I love it. Um, I love, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you just said something 
like if I could do anything, I just want to be in the kitchen. You know, I think those are the, like, that's the stuff, like someone was asking me about this podcast and like, I'm trying to get people, young adults to think about the obvious, the stuff that's like, what do they do on a Saturday that takes them away for seven hours just, and they think it feels like a half hour. It's their plan. Yeah. And I, I, I hear you. And I'm like, I'm like, that was food and cooking. And it was just like, um, that was just kind of where you felt at home, you know, maybe in a previous life, you were a chef as well. And I just, that's the kind of stuff that I want people to pay attention to. So I love that you brought that up. Um, and then did you have like visions of being this chef in a huge five-star restaurant? Or did you like, listen, I just want to be around food and I don't really care. Or did you have this long-term plan all outlined, you know, in front of you? Well, again, it's the decade that I started in because back then, um, so in the West End, I was like amazed. I would just go into the walk-in and stare at these giant lobsters in the walk-in. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I heard through the grapevine that Weston Hotels had a, a formal three and a half year culinary apprenticeship program. So again, 1970, whatever year that was, 77 or something like that, I asked my chef, I said, hey, I hear you have an apprenticeship program. I want to be in it. I want to learn. And the answer in the 70s was, we don't train women and we're not starting with you. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't like, whatever. All right. And so I just like, as long as I can be around it, cool. Well, (laughs) literally, probably the week after I got that news, there was a gentleman in a suit that came up and was standing right by me. And I was like in the salad area. And he said, are you, do you like your job? And I said, I love it. I love it. I said, it's just too bad that Weston doesn't train women. And he goes, <laughs> I didn't realize who I was talking to. And, um, and he said, uh, uh, what do you mean? And I said, well, I was told that, you know, there's a formal culinary apprenticeship program, but I was told that Weston doesn't train women. He goes, oh, okay, Uh, I'll be right back. So literally like the very next day I was in the chef's office. I didn't realize I was talking to his corporate executive chef, Chef Roth from LA. And I'm thinking, okay, that tracks. LA is a little more progressive than Atlanta, Georgia in the seventies, I guess. So um, yeah, there was a contract there for me to sign on a three and a half year culinary apprenticeship with Western hotels. And it was a formal, it was a beautiful program. Like, yeah. Oh my God, if people did that today, I mean, they probably do. It's amazing. Um, but we had classes that were mandatory. We had tests. So we had theoretical and practical. And back then the executive chef spent one full day with us a week. I don't think that's feasible these days, right? but, so I feel like I lucked out on the timing of that, but um, yeah. And then my chef, <laughs> my chef, who's like my father, he's like my best friend now, but at the time, the one that said, I'm not going to train women. Um, kind of the first week of my apprenticeship there, he said, I'm going to put you in the butcher shop with the Greek butcher. I'm like, cool. Okay. And uh, he ordered in a side of beef and the, the Greek butcher was like cussing. And under his breath, like in a language I didn't understand. And he goes, this is all your fault. And I'm like, ah, this is awesome. Like, show me, like he was tasked with showing me how to break down the side of beef. 
And I'm like, oh my God, I felt like I had died and gone to heaven. It was like so much fun. And he's cussing. And then the chef <laughs> that he just walked by my chef and he goes, you really do want to do this, don't you? And I said, yeah. And I'm like, was this a test? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> because I just had to make sure. I love it. Yeah. I, uh, I wonder, just, you said you didn't know, but like, okay, I'm going back to someone younger that's watching. There's gotta be curriculum or courses, or I had a friend that went back, I think it was Cordon Bleu or whatever. It was a year or two year long program and he learned. So I'm sure there's oh, yeah. similar oh. type situations. Oh, today there's so many options. Yeah. There's so many options. There's, uh, we luckily in Seattle, we have uh, Seattle Culinary Academy um, in Seattle Central, like up on Capitol Hill. And we also have South Seattle Community College. They are cranking out like they their programs. Both of them are amazing and they have super high bars. You can go down the culinary route or the pastry route or baking. Um, they have amazing chefs teaching these students. And I mean, we have so many people in our kitchen that we've hired from these schools. So oh, cool. make it yeah. a lot easier. And, and high schools, too. Like high I love school, it. I would have killed for that when I was in high school. I yeah. love that. I love the fact like there's in my son's school, they have, um, they have like a greenhouse. So they're teaching kids how to grow vegetables and stuff. Oh, cool. And I just think that's amazing. So let's mm -hmm. kind of get into, I think you said catering is maybe like 75% of your life and the restaurant is like 25. Yeah. Like two thirds catering about one third. Uh, okay. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's get into catering. Um, mm -hmm. you've been doing it for a while. Tell us, Tell the audience what they think they, they don't, what, what they don't know. They think they may know it. You know, you go online and you look at the job description and you think, okay, I'm going to bring food to an event or a wedding or something. What is it about catering that you've learned that people don't know about? Well, it's, it's kind of interesting because uh, we're part of this group called leading caterers of America. And there's like one or two per city across the country in Seattle, David Haggerty from Tuxedos and Tennis Shoes, the Haggertys, and I, both of us are part of Leading Caters of America. Um, we're unusual because most cities only have one. Um, I didn't mean to go down that path, but um, what we've learned from those meetings is the caterers are like, we ought to write a book on our worst case scenario stuff that people have no idea this goes on behind the scenes. Um, and restaurateurs, I mean, with all respect, um, a lot of restaurateurs and restaurant chefs have, aren't caterers. Like you're not equipped for all the worst case scenarios that could possibly happen. The food is almost the easiest part. It's like, oh my God, the wedding cake just fell out of the back of the van. Everything I'm telling you actually happened. I'm not making this up. Wedding cake just fell out of the back of the van, call the kitchen. Everybody get back in there, make another cake, decorate it, get it to the party. And, and so nobody realizes that we just lost the wedding cake or the German shepherd ate the wedding cake that happened. So, I mean, just, I mean, just stuff that's like unbelievable. And I mean, I could go on and on are the, with the crazy stories that we, that, that happened to us while we're still expected to produce restaurant quality food restaurant quality service in the middle of the woods on the Olympic Peninsula where 
the power just decides to go out while you're in the middle of, you know what I mean? So, um, we're, we're more tasked with all of the logistics being our biggest challenge logistics and people, the people, I mean, I think people in any business, you, you have to make sure your, your people are your fit, your values and your system. I mean, you're, you know, and the, they're on your team, yep. which mine are, thank God, I feel very fortunate. Um, but just the crazy logistics stuff that happens. I mean, yeah. literally, we could write a book on this really happened, y'all. <laughs> well, I think this is really good. So let's take a step back. Like, tell me if I'm off, because sometimes, oftentimes, no, I am I- off. But, but like, if you're thinking about this, you're, I've done this a lot with podcasts is someone like whether it's writing music or uh, flowers or, but like, or even owning a business, like maybe they're really creative, but they don't know what it's like on running a business, recruiting taxes, P and L. But what you're, what I hear you saying, what, what I feel you saying is, you know, you have all the skill sets of the food and, you know, and knowing what, you know, the, the service and how to, create a really cool experience, but you also need to have the ability to like shift gears quickly and also the temperament to like get, you know, you get punched in the nose and now all of a sudden your plan is, I mean, I would think having, not having that trait would create a very hectic cater. Yes. Yeah. You definitely need to be uh, calm in a situation, I'll give you another real one that happened. And I don't think they mind me sharing because I think it was in the news. But two years ago, um, we were catering the uh, jungle party for the Woodland Park Zoo. And it's such a huge event. It's like a sit down for 700 people that we set up the day before. So the day before you got the linen, flatware, china, glassware on the table, everything, menus printed, blah, blah, blah. it's set so that the next day when we come in, all we're doing, all we're doing is the food yeah. and bringing that in. Well, one of our servers decided to show up really early because he was excited about the event. And he showed up about five hours prior to the start time of the event. And he noticed water in the glasses on the tables. And he thought, huh. And he was just new enough. So he calls the lead server and he goes, why would we pour water in the glasses the, the day before? And, and uh, then he took a closer look and there were little bugs in the water glass. So we discovered that the sprinkler system had gone off overnight on top of all of that. So, I mean, my lead server that day just was like a Zen master. Like he was like, okay, what do we need to do? So we called, you know, court party rentals and they kicked in gear and they brought us all like new linens and China and flatware or no, not flatware glasses. He didn't have enough flatware. So it was sort of like, okay, we have to set up the sanitizing station with everybody in row to sanitize and hand wipe down flatware for 700 people. And it was just like, I overheard one of my cooks saying, only solutions, only solutions, only solutions. And um, it was just kind of like, damn, this team is amazing. They're like smiling, they're keeping calm. Um, And then, I mean, then it was like we were ready. 
two hours before the, or an hour before the event. And we did the food and no one would have ever known. No one would have ever known what we had gone through to reset that whole room before it started. I still think back to that going, that is one of the catering moments where everybody's attitude and choice to respond in that manner and staying calm and just going, okay, this is what we need to do to be ready in five hours. Let's just do it. Yeah. I mean, no, I think that's, that's really, I'm so glad you brought that up because this is the stuff that's beyond the job description, right? You don't, yeah. you think about, I, oh, I can oh. really cook and I love food, but what happens when the sprinkler system goes off? Um, is there another trait that you think is really important for somebody who's considering your line of work or your career path that you've seen in people that have been very successful? So in this example, someone who is, is um, calm under pressure. Is there another trait that's pretty crucial? Uh, flexibility and adaptability in this business for sure. In the restaurant business, I mean, you can ask any restaurant server or cook or chef or restaurant manager, um, flexibility and adaptability and, um, front of the house, especially the ability to connect with people. So to be someone who has the skill set to build rapport, um, with, um, customers and same on events. Um, uh, and then the, the culinary team, the chefs, the cooks, the line cooks, again, the ability to, um, I mean, I hate to use the word multitask because it, it's, uh, but still, you know, you got something in the oven, you got something you're sauteing, you're plating up three plates. So just the ability to um, really, I guess, uh, not get overwhelmed by the situation at hand and always realize that we're here to create a great experience for people, whether it's the restaurant or a catered event. And that's why we're here. And I mean, I had a restaurant manager that used to say, okay, this isn't world peace, this is food. You know, so if somebody was getting a little like, ah, you know, um, could, you know, bring them back, like, it's just a hamburger, we can recook that. <laughs> I get it. So what would you say when you, you 40 years, you've been doing this, you look around, you've seen a lot of people enter, probably a lot of people exit. Is there a consistent theme to what makes maybe somebody not successful as a caterer? And you don't obviously have to get personal or put any names, but like, what are the things that trip people up? Um, I would say what you hit on, you touched on it. Um, where, and I'm looking at myself in the mirror here, the, like the artist entrepreneur brain, not finding the partner or the leader that's the leader manager brain, the one that is leading by the numbers and creating the metrics and the systems and the systems of accountability and the checks and balances and, you know, um, not realizing the importance of your business attorney and your CPA and your CFO. Um, I kiss the ground they walk onto because it's not my passion at all. And um, I can see if you don't have someone that is measuring your company by the numbers, then, and I'm, I'm like I say, I'm, 
I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of not um, of letting the numbers slip because I've gotten so into the, the artistry of it. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, oh, cool. Look at this dessert Daniel created. It's amazing. And not staring at, oh my God, we're off our target on labor costs and food costs and um, waste. And yeah. I love that. Um, Cause I think that's the thing that like I'm 53 and I look back when I was young and there was a lot of things that I had interest in doing, but I was kind of scared because it weren't safe. They weren't, I was kind of, my dad was all about going down a certain road, money. And so I kind of felt like the, the things that lit me up, I kind of shied away from because it didn't feel secure or safe. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I'm thinking about like people who are real passionate, like the artists and the musicians and the chefs and the, you know, the things, but there's also an importance that you're bringing up is if you're listening to this and you have those skill sets, you also got to understand if you're going into business, you have to have the other side of the fence as well. So it's, it's a good thing for people to consider. Uh, and it's okay if you don't have that skill set. you just need to find a partner or partners that do so you can do what you do well. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I've, I've lost some things along the way from like, uh, Oh, let's open a bunch of cafes, you know, and then going, that sounds fun. Let's make sure that the wallpaper is really cool and the colors are cool. And let's, you know, and not really doing the numbers plan. So, um, I no longer have that cafe. <laughs> so, you know, just kind of like, okay, well, it looked cool and we were doing cool stuff, but you know, numbers wise, you know, that piece of what I had was not sustainable. So it's really hard to, um, you've got to let your ego get out of the way and cut your losses for the greater good and just go, okay, I tried that. That didn't work. So, I mean, and I've done that a few times with two or three different things on the side where, you know, and then you try one that does work. It's like, holy cow, that was amazing. Let's do that again. Um, so, you know, you got to be able to walk away uh, for the greater good of the whole company. Um, I, no, I get it. Um, so I have two questions. I, I'm trying to think if I should ask you one. I don't want to forget the other. One is you can or answer in any order you like, but I want to know what you love about what you do. Like, what is it that keeps you coming back? And two is I want to kind of get into uh, your day, your night, your weeks, like, what is your schedule? Like, um, what is it, you know, what is it like to live the lifestyle of a restaurant owner and a caterer? You know, you know, like I get into things like my dad was a pilot and I would have never wanted to be a pilot because I never would want to miss a holiday. I want to wake up with my kids. I want to go to bed with them. I've coached all their sports. And I didn't realize that at 24, how important that was for me just to be present. Um, and I think a lot of people chase careers and they don't think about, okay, what's going to be like on Monday morning, Thursday night, Sunday afternoon. What is it like? Let's go with that first. What is it like to be in your world in terms of schedule? Um, I have to say it is, uh, it's, it's, we work nights, we work weekends, we work holidays. Um, I mean, when I was at the Westin hotel, it was like, I, I was like the sous chef. So it's like, okay, you're working Thanksgiving, you're working Christmas Eve, you're working. Cause I was kind of at the bottom of the hierarchy and it was before I got married and had kids. And when I opened Southern accents, the one thing that I said is like, 
I am not working holidays. I am close. If I'm going to own my own business, I am closing. I'm not. And I mean, we still to this day just say we're closed the week of Christmas. We um, we do have a huge Thanksgiving thing that happens for for 25 years that we call Turkey a go-go that is massive. And we, we crank out like hundred full on Thanksgiving dinners that people pick up before noon though. And then at noon, hard stop. And then my team goes and they have their Thanksgiving dinner with their families. Um, and, uh, I've done Friendsgiving Friday for 20 something years. Cause by the time I get home on Thanksgiving, I'm ready for a nap. But, um, but just, I, I mean, that's one thing about owning my own company is like, I'm not working that week of Christmas. I'm just not, you know, and, uh, the restaurant, you know, and, I, but it's, yeah, it's evenings, holidays. That's just kind of the lifestyle of a chef and, a you know, pastry team starts at four in the morning to bake to get everything baked before we open at 7.30 for the grab-and-go in the restaurant so that all the pastries are fresh and the breads are fresh. And um, the, the hours are kind of crazy. And catering, I mean, I heard, we, did a, we did a corporate four-day event a few weeks ago, and the chef's like, yeah, I'm starting at 3 in the morning because this breakfast starts at 6. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, you guys are, like, superhuman. So, I mean, it is, it's, it's, the hours are rough. And, um, I mean, rough for what you're talking about, like being at home with your kids and, um, putting your schedule and your life with your children first. Yeah. Um, I think I got lucky in that timing because I was pregnant with my second child and I said, something's gotta go. So I sold Southern accents, my restaurant because I wanted to see my children at night. And then I kept the catering piece and the kids <laughs> so that I could, uh, and then what I thought I was doing was more in control of my schedule. So okay. I could be with my children and I could say, no, I'm not going to do that event because I'm going to be with my kid. Okay. But um, that didn't happen. We just took every event possible because all I was doing was catering at that point. And, but, um, but with enough teammates, you can, you know, you can get coverage for that, uh, different shifts and things. So I'm thinking like, tell me if I'm wrong, but like, if you're going to get in, in this world, whether it's a restaurant catering, you have to be open to the fact that it's going to be not typical hours, right? So nights, weekends, I mean, it is what it is. And then maybe in time, like you, you get to a point to where you can be more selective of your schedule or more in control. But I do think it's really like these are the things that I want people to think about is you might love food, but you also got to understand it might take away from, you know, your schedule and what you can and can't do on certain days. I worked at a bar. Uh, I started bartending at one of my favorite bars and it kind of ruined my experience working at the bar <laughs> because, you know, I would get off at two and, you know, oh, yeah. it's kind of like grand, you know, grandparents, they, they can just come in and hang out with the grandkids and then leave and then, Parents got to deal with sugar and walk out the door. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, my mom's good at that. By the way, uh, she's a she's an amazing grandma, but she like she likes to give them sugar. Uh, she did, but um, so what about um, like but what I is got, it? You love? I, I, go ahead. My stepson yeah. is uh, has been an executive chef for years. He moved to Austin. 
he's he and his fiance had a baby and he's an executive chef of a catering company down there. He looked at the little baby and it's like, I'm out. I want to be at home with my child. I'm choosing another profession. So he's taking online classes and I've seen that with some chefs. I had a chef here who is actually my leasing agent helping me with the cafe right now. He was one of my sous chefs for years, got married, had a kid. I'm going to go be in real estate. I'm not, you know, so people, we do lose some talent to this lifestyle isn't for me if I'm going to be a dad and or a mom at home. Yeah. And there's a lot of people, you touched on this, there's a lot of people who have a passion for, I'll pick cake decorating, and they're beautiful. They do these gorgeous cakes at home and they'll sell them on their own and they're, they look like works of art. And then there's a gal that we had that we said, you know, do you want to help us professionally in the kitchen? And I think you get a taste of you're cranking out 20 cakes. You're not spending two days on one cake to make it look like the Disney princess cake or whatever. So you get a different like, wow, this just took the fun out of my cake decorating experience or so it's, it's, there is a perception of what it's going to be when you get in there. Um, I, we had this gal right out of culinary school or right out of baking school. And she hit us right at the start of December catering. And my pastry chef at the time said, I'm just going to put you in charge of the cookies for the whole month. You just crank out the cookies. I'm going to do everything else. And at the end of December, she's like, I didn't go to pastry school to just do cookies. And I'm like, Okay, well, welcome to reality. Because <laughs> December is thousands of cookies every single day. <laughs> so, you know, and you're new. So, exactly. so it's just like, I, I don't know if she lasted, but she was telling us she's out because all she did was cookies for three weeks. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, there's this one thing I wanted to bring up with you. I was going to wait, but I'm going to do it now because. I'm telling everybody about it. And before I tell you the name of the series, yeah, I loved it. I was sick a couple of weeks ago and I, it was two seasons and I finished it in two days and, oh, wow. and I, I'm getting, I'm, I want my wife to watch it, but it's called the bear. Oh, right. Yeah. Everybody's uh, told me about that. It is amazing. I mean, I was amazed just what it's the, I would think anyone wants to get into the restaurant business. Maybe it's accurate. I don't know, but watch the bear because what goes on, there's like, there's a gentleman who's all about the, the desserts and the, the baking and they all have their different skill sets, but the chaos and that goes on in these kitchens and the, but, but there's, it's a beautiful flow too. It's okay, not like it's it. everybody, yeah. everybody keeps telling me to see it, but all the people who tell me are in the industry and they're all saying it's reality. So I have not, I can't speak to it because I haven't seen it, but I've heard the same thing. From, it's so good. It, the yeah. acting is amazing. I mean, but what I was thinking about, one of the guys in it, um, uh, his cousin sent him off. They're opening up this beautiful restaurant and he sent him off to one of his five-star um, restaurants he used to work at. And for like two weeks, he had to just clean the forks. That's all he could do. And he was getting pissed because he was much more than that. But there's just a system and a protocol. And I think if anything, if you're listening and watching, you know, 
be prepared to pay the dues. Um, and well, you know, we had a chef who is, um, he's from America, but he married a Japanese gal and he spent a lot of his time in Japan Uh and he wanted to get in to get trained with some Japanese chefs. And they said, he told us that in Japan, if you want to make sushi, you spend an entire year just doing the sushi rice, just the rice before they allow you to touch anything. I'm like, what, are you kidding me? So he's like, oh yeah. So he said, I had to pull some serious strings to be able to touch something other than just the rice in the training. So I thought, ah, that's really amazing. (laughs) But you're right. The pain, the dues is reality. Um, So humility. I mean, you have to have some humility. And if you're, if you got ego and you're cocky and you're getting into this business, you might get punched in the nose um, in the beginning. What is it about the job that, is there one thing that you just love? Like, is there, is there at night after a long day or a long night of catering and you go home and shower and get in bed? Like, is it, what is it about the business that you love? I think I, I mean, I don't think, I know. What I really love is the stories that I hear either later, you know, after an event or, um, or in the restaurant or in the, you know, like, you know, like an example is we have this gal who's been coming in here forever and she sits at the bar and she works on her computer and she just, she's like family. And, you know, I went by and I said, Hey, how are you doing today? And she's like, Oh my God, I'm, it's so horrible. Lisa, somebody broke into my car. They stole my laptop. I'm just having such a horrible day that I had to come to where I knew people cared about me and that would show me some kindness. And I, and I just was like, whoa. So that feeling of, and then people will tell me years later, like you catered our wedding 15 years ago, remember? And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) please don't test me. But they were like, you know, all we had was this budget and all we could afford was, um, you know, something in the, in Marymore park. And we're still talking about how cool it was and how, you know, you treated us the same way you would treat your, you know, gazillionaire clients and, um, your, your staff just made it so wonderful for us. And it meant so much to us. So, I mean, I think things like that, like you hear these stories and people will tell me this stuff all the time. And, or just like immediately after an event, like, oh my God, you guys, that was so fun. Um, and I know they don't mind, but uh, we just catered Stanley's, the, the, the Stanley's uh, 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 summer picnic for their employees. And they were just like, oh my gosh, you guys knocked it out of the park. This was so fun. And we had a blast and the food was amazing. And, you know, so just, you just, you're creating memories for people and you're yeah. creating experiences that um, through your food and your service and your kindness and your caring and, you know, and, it, and there's a lot of stuff that doesn't go right. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. So the ones where you mess up um, and we've messed some up, like we messed up this, this gal who's like kind of a Seattleite. And she was spending a whole entire year planning her husband's 50th birthday party. She started a year in advance. 
everything had to be like perfect. Money was no object. It was like going to be knocked out of the park. It was going to be on actually uh, New Year's Eve. Um, and anything and everything that could have gone wrong with that party went wrong. Like the rentals were wrong. The ice was wrong. The food was wrong. But we left something in the oven. It got locked in the oven. We couldn't get it out. <laughs> the oven locked on us. I mean, and she was just devastated and crushed. And, and she just said, I just said, there's nothing I can do to redo that party. I wish I could. I, all I can do is give you all your money back, which was $30,000. And I'm like, I, I, I mean, that was one of the biggest refunds we'd ever done for somebody not being happy. And I, I just like, you know, if, if we crush somebody's soul by not doing it right, then I'm, I just, yeah. And, but she still uses this to this day because of, you know, just like, I can't, I think we were both crying on the phone together. Well, she probably uses you because you did the right thing. Um, I will say though, I, I was having this conversation with my daughter. We were in Boise uh, yesterday and Saturday talking about career stuff. And I had a podcast guest and she does a lot of events for wealthy uh, families, you know, everything from wedding catering to, and my daughter was kind of asking me about that podcast. And I, you know, I would have personally a hard time, like, um, I'm good at customer service, but I'm also not good at taking it from rude people. And I would think that, um, you know, your, your job is to provide a, an experience, but like, I would think you also have to hold your bite your tongue often when, when you have rude clients and I don't mean to get negative, but like, I was thinking about your job and I'm like, that would be hard for me. Cause like, I would enjoy all of it, but once somebody is being a jerk, or, you know, whatever, I think I would have a hard time with that. Yeah, I, I think I would too. That's why I enjoy the kitchen. <laughs> not, no, I mean, no. I really admire my front of the house team because they're very like, I mean, they're so good with people. Even someone coming at you super angry and super like, this isn't in the right place. You guys were supposed to set up over here and he set up over there. Yeah, and I mean, um, I mentioned the Haggerty's, David and Reed and his sons, Matt, run um, Tuxedos and Ginger Shoes, and we're really close friends. So we share these stories, and and he was sharing one with me, too, where he was he was uh, paired with a chef to do something with them, like a superstar chef. And we've done that, too. Like, we've done, we've been the food for superstar chefs that come into town and need um, a kitchen and, uh, and uh, a you know, a, a service team and a chef team to support them for a special event. And I, I've got to say, I've been lucky because the ones that have come in have been really kind to us. But um, he was just like, oh, my gosh, Lisa, I think my team is still traumatized from this chef just ripping us to shreds in the back of like, you know, you know, they were they were doing what they were told to do. But it was sort of like, you know, just kind of like, yeah. Uh, you're just yeah i just brought it up because i think honestly i'd have a hard time i mean I, I could do it but i i just watch people at restaurants even when they're rude to the waiters or the bus boys or whatever and or you know yeah. you see it on tv in a movie or something and i always just shake my head because we're all trying to survive in life and do our yeah. jobs and uh 
you know, I would assume in the Bellevue, Kirkland, Redmond, you know, you've got a lot, of, you got some ego that you got to deal with. Entitlement. There's a lot of, um, and I don't mm-hmm. know if it's a culture thing or a time in history that we're in where it's like, well, you didn't make my vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, blah, 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 the way, you know, and you're like, let me see how I can help you with that. You know, so, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of, um, I mean, I guess there's a lot of expectations that people expect you to meet and hoops that they expect you to jump through. And um, there's some people who are really polite about it. Like, oh, that's okay. I'll find something, you know, on the menu that I can eat, you know, that fits all my allergies or whatever. And then there's others that are expect you to have your crystal ball with you <laughs> and know they have 5,000 allergies. <laughs> we're, we're that family, unfortunately. And like my son has every allergy in the book and some are life-threatening. So I'm always, we don't go out that much because we always, I always That's feel. Serious. No, it's really yeah. serious. It's no joke. Yeah. And, I mean, I think where we struggle is, uh, you know, as a parent, your son's allergies, you're taking hundred percent responsibility for that. And you're like, we can't, I mean, I'm making this up, but we can't have anything that's in peanut oil or any peanuts or anything in the room, you know, um, and communicating that to begin with versus, <laughs> yeah. you know, versus the expectation of it magically appearing for you without letting the chef know <laughs> that that that's, that actually happens a lot you know yeah i bet um so what would you say you know we're we're getting towards the end of the podcast and again i I really trying to get in the head of a young adult someone's watching listening and let's just say they're intrigued and they're still like you know this is i'm in this is what i want to do um is there anything you can like if it was your son or your daughter and you're like trying to warn them like, okay, I want you to follow my footsteps, but I want you to know this and that just before you commit and go off to a two-year pro. Is there some kind of advice that you would give to somebody that's gung-ho, uh, that thinks they know everything, but maybe they don't? Well, I mean, I'm just old enough. I mean, you know this because I reached out to you about Dr. Joe Dispenza and I follow, I mean, I'm, I follow, I mean, as far back as, Jim Rohn in the eighties and then Tony Robbins. And then like, I follow like people who help with, uh, uh, and Jim Rohn had a quote, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. And I mean, I think that that's true for pretty much any profession, but definitely ours, like literally take care of your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, your you have to take care of you, especially in this profession. Well, I mean, I'm sure other professions, the firemen and policemen and Lord knows every other profession, but there's a lot of pressure here. And for you've got to take care of your physical health and your mental health and your spiritual health and, and whatever path that is for you. Um, I can't stress how important that is to be able to you know, tap into positive energy and tap into realizing our greatest power in life is the power to choose and choose your response. And that's why I was so proud of my team on that, that zoo day, because you, you can choose your response. You can choose to be kind and you can choose to be a jerk. That's you. That's you. That's not anybody else. And, um, 
I, I, my advice to anybody coming in here is make sure you're taking care of your health. Make sure you, this is a physical job. Like the chefs are fit. Like they run marathons. Like I have two chefs that run marathons Our one of our chefs competes in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like it's a physical job. And, um, you know, eating right and getting enough water, getting enough sleep. I mean, I sound like a, you know, whatever that you hear from everybody these days, but it's true. Like you have to take care of yourself or you're not going to make it. You, you won't be able to stand up for, you know, 10 hours on a cutting board. I love it. And I got to say, I told you that this podcast is on the fly and it's not scripted, but I'm going to, uh, there's a quote that you said something and I'm going to give you this quote because it's, I think cool. you would love it. And based cool. on, and based on just you and I talking about Joe Dispenza and yeah. we, I mean, we're both kind of are into that whole uh, vibe and, and I will say, you know, the whole meditation thing has been huge for me. Um, just trying to change my thoughts and, and then which ultimately changes my beliefs. And um, it's hard to get out of your head and in your heart, but you're right about, you know, showing up a better dad or a better husband. And I've got a long way to go, trust me, but I will tell you the meditation when I can tap out and kind of go into the quantum as I say it. And, um, it's so valuable. I know it's, it's, it's amazing. Well, so this is just ironic because this morning, um, my chef sent me a text saying, I want to support this nonprofit called burnt chef. And I've never, I've never heard of it. And I see, and he goes, I want to, I want to, it's about uh, mental health right. for people in our industry. And I'm like, okay. I'd never heard of it. It's, I haven't even opened the thing yet, the link yet, but I was just thinking about doing something myself as, you know, like a volunteer or nonprofit for talking about ways you can take care of your, your mental and, you know, physical, spiritual health in this industry of so much pressure. Like you say, people yelling at you at the front desk, like you didn't get my reservation right or whatever. Right. Like, you know, people's energy coming at you all day long. Um, yeah. And the pressure to get the food out properly or hot enough or, you know, Oh damn, the cooking <laughs> chicken, chicken cooked per properly temperature, like, ah, you know? I would think I would think that meditation in your line of work with all the yeah. moving parts and the things that pop up and the change of course the direction uh, yeah. you know you'd have to have that ability yeah. to tap yeah. in okay so I apologize for the delay but I really no want worries. this uh, and and I think you might know it but I don't want to say the um okay it's Victor Frankel and and, oh, and of I, course I, I can't well, quote is Victor Frankl's from a man's search for meaning is your greatest power in life is the power to choose. And it's from Victor Frankl. I mean, it's not his exact quote, yep. but yeah. How many years in a Nazi concentration camp and he comes out and writes man's search for meaning. And, and I, it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, that is our greatest power in life is the power to choose our response. And, and also, you know, coming from the heart instead of the head. And I, I mean, I've been practicing transcendental meditation for since 2016. And then I'm adding all these other, other ones, but it's, it, I'm, I, it's improving my stress levels. Oh and, yeah, totally. You know, and it's, 
It's and so I, valuable. It's so valuable to take care of yourself. I think when you said that, I was thinking Viktor Frankl, and I always Tommy Boy the um, quote, but it's the the, the <laughs> reaction between stimulus and reaction. There's a space, and in that space is your uh, cho- your fr- choice choice to react. And then within that is your freedom or something. But I just, I remember as a kid, I was pretty reactive. I was aggressive. I played sports and I remember my reaction time when I get triggered is I've gotten a lot better at just kind of, you know, and a lot of times I'm like, this isn't really about me. If, and I'm thinking in your world, if someone's venting because they're gluten-free, whatever, isn't good enough. It's really not about you. It's about something that's going on in their life. And I would think that would be valuable for people to remember when they're in your type of industry. You've hit the nail on the head. Um, I I mean, I'm sure they don't mind me sharing this, but it's kind of funny. Um, David Haggerty's wife, Meg, is a shaman. And she was teaching me this energy work once. And she was like, okay, Lisa, someone's coming at you and they're triggered. You know, just do this. Me, not me me, not me. And it sounds kind of funny, but if she goes, it'll, it'll be with that. So somebody came at one of my staff, like unloaded, like the truckload on her. And, and I was going, okay, let me show you me, not me. And she goes, me, not me, me, not me, me, definitely not me. <laughs> I, I, like, I love oh. it. <laughs> that is so funny because it was just like, okay, you're right. It's not about you. It's, something's going on with them if they're completely plugged in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we all have a lot of stuff going on in our life. And I think venting, like I wrote a book on road rage years ago called, Oh, you did. I did. It's it's called road rage justified. And it's actually, you can find it on Amazon, but I didn't, I'm not justifying road rage, but I, it was about 50 things you shouldn't do. And it's, (laughs) they're not laws or more etiquette, but, but my point was, it's like, I remember, like, I really, I did this whole, thing for a year where I got on all these radio stations across the country and they would interview me about the book. And it's not like I made a lot of money on this book, but it was kind of cool for a while. But what was amazing is how quick people are to vent, especially when they don't have to take responsibility. So if they flipped you off, I mean, if they knew who you were, they probably wouldn't flip you off. If, if, uh, you know, it's just the freedom of like venting and not having to deal with the repercussion. But I think that, um, I found in my life that a lot of people, when they react and they get triggered, it's just about something else. It has nothing yeah. to do with me. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, yeah. That little, uh, that little three-year-old in them comes out. That yeah. little, you know, yeah. that, you know, the little child in us will come out and we'll have to scream and have a tantrum. And- my child's still there too. And by the way, <laughs> I, I love how you... Uh, my number one podcast, I think, as far as views, um, I interviewed a shaman um, couple oh, cool. that actually did the ayahuasca journey for Aaron Rodgers oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In, cool. in Costa Rica. And that was really cool. Um, Very cool. Was, uh, so if you want to check it out, it's, it was a good one. But I am uh, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, yeah. I I think, I think, yeah, I think you gave the audience a really good idea. Now, as far as just kind of plugging your catering, if somebody's interested in your services, how do they find you? Or working for us. (laughs) Um, So Lisa Dupart Catering, you can just search Lisa Dupart Catering or Pomegranate Bistro and Redmond. 
um, it'll pop up a link, you know, on how to get to us or actually do par and company, but nobody thinks of that, but okay. any, of those, any of those will work. Yeah. And the restaurant pomegranate bistro is yeah. right there. I mean, gosh, you're right next to PCC and kind of uh, us from whole foods. Okay. Whole foods. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And that's close. It is, it's amazing. I mean, you go in there and it's, it's really kind of a cool, I mean, I've been in there, I've been in the bar, I've been in the restaurant. It's a, it's a really cool vibe culture that you've created. Yeah. So if you guys are in the area, I highly recommend it. So Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. You, uh, anything that you want to tip your tongue or do you feel complete? Um, I feel complete. Could be okay. the meditation that I had this morning. <laughs> Was it a Joe Dispenza meditation? Sure was. Which which one, if I may ask, did you do? Um, I did the uh, You Are the Placebo mm -hmm. meditation. Have you done changing boxes? Yes, I've done that's, that quite a bit. That's uh -huh. a good one. That's a good yeah, one. Got them all on my, I got them all downloaded. Well, I mean, I got some of them downloaded. I probably think there's a lot more I don't know about. But yeah. There's a lot. I have like 35 of them. Um, what? All right. Yeah. And then we did, you know, I don't know if you got involved with the local group, but I had a walking meditation out here about a month or so ago with 12 or 15 or so people, but there's a large group locally yeah. that do this every week. And uh, so you, sh I think you're trying to get I hooked up I with was, them. That's, that was actually what I originally was emailing you about was getting connected with your group. I would love yeah. that still. Thank Not you. my group. I'm just part of or it. the but, group that you're yeah. part of. Yeah, no, there are some cool people. You would enjoy it. So, Lisa, thank, thank you so much you. for thank coming you, on. Thank you so much. I All appreciate right. it. Thank Take you. Take care.